Jumbo Ekabo, welcome to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. This podcast was created to be what the next immigrant needs to thrive and what we need as an immigrant community. In this podcast, we talk about attaining financial independence, living full lives in the new countries we call home, and we'll do all that while talking about topics that pertain to the immigrant community all over the world. We'll do that with grace, with truth, with love, and yes, with great background music. So please dance into every podcast episode with me. I'm Dio Lateru, and I'm your host. Welcome. It's time. <laughs> this is me channeling my inner Mariah Carey. How was that? <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Rich Immigrant Podcast. I'm Dia Latero and this is episode 93, the very last episode of the podcast this year, 2023, and it is the 23rd of December. And the devil was not going to let me record this podcast episode, but I said no. And here we are. And it is 23.03 p.m., <laughs> something about the 23s, and I am recording this, and I will release this within an hour of recording this. So this is not going to be super edited or anything, um, but I wanted to do a, a sort of a recap episode um, and just answer questions like I like to do at the end of every season. Now, you know, I typically do my personal reflections around my birthday. So um, if you look at the episode I released in mid-September, I talked about the lessons that I've learned in the past year of my life. And if I do say so myself, it's a really good thought-provoking episode. So if you have missed that episode, I hope you give it a listen. Anyway. Okay, so let's jump into your questions. Um, this season, your girl has struggled with consistency, but thank you for hanging with me. And thank you for trusting me to share my perspective on these topics that are on your mind. Um, I don't take that for granted. I don't think I know everything. I don't think my way is the only way. But I'm glad that my perspective can be something that you include in your arsenal as you kind of navigate your own life and make your own choices. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being here. And to all who celebrate, Merry Christmas. Okay, um, I'm going to I categorize the questions, right? And so this one is under the category that I call reflection questions. Um, and the first reflection question is, what is something I'm proud of in 2023? And yo, there's so many things. I feel like God really chose to show off and use me as a platform this year. Um, but if I were to pick one thing from this year, from this platform, I would say that I am most proud of the community that Shida and I built. And so during the first weekend of 2023, we gathered about 47 women and held a financial vision board session. 
And then some of those women stayed on throughout the year and we met every quarter and they committed to a journey and we created a safe space for women, mostly immigrant women, to talk about money without guilt or shame. We created that space for us to learn from each other, support each other, celebrate wins and share setbacks. And I am so proud of that. And I'm excited about the ripple effects of this community with women in different stages of life, different financial stages, different ages and so on. And people could share and there was no shame and people were supporting each other, rooting for each other, holding each other accountable. And um, that's what life is supposed to be, to be done in community and to have people standing next to you, supporting you. And I love that the impact of this, I'll never see it because I think these women are are learning about money, seeing it differently, and they'll pass those the, they'll pass that on to their children or tell their friends or tell their siblings or tell their parents and that's pretty dope. So I'm super proud of that. I'm super proud of us, Sheeta. We did it and we're doing it. All right. The second question is an interesting one. It says what friend do you think supports you the most? Um, I think in the last five to seven years or so, I've learned a lot about friendships and I've also seen my own shortcomings and my strengths as a friend. And so one thing I know for sure is that aside from Jesus or God, um, no one friend can tick all of the boxes And it is an impossible expectation to have of any single person. And so my closest friends have supported me in different ways. And and they've done so to the extent of their capacity and also to the extent of my own ability to ask for what I need. And so, for example, I have two friends that I probably go to for most of my career related matters or headaches or wins. I have one or two friends I go to for matters of the heart. Um, I have a friend that I check in with from a mental health, health standpoint. I have a friend that's like the Martha of the group. I have a friend that enables me. <laughs> um, and then I have a couple of different friends or group of friends that get everything and anything depending on the day. And even from a day-to-day basis, capacity is different. And there are days where I'll type a whole textbook to a friend and they may not respond till the next day. And that's fine because life's happening. Um, And, um, you know, just God bless them. God bless my friend. Because if you listen to the episode I talked about, what I've learned in the past year, for me, relationships or friendships are just the biggest, biggest blessings in the past year for me. And so, you know, there are even friends that during the last 30 minutes of the day, before I go to bed and I'm scrolling, me admit I scroll before I fall asleep. Um, I sit back, I'm probably sending like 10 memes back to back to back to back. Half the time I'm cackling. Some of them are like faith-based. Others are like inspirational, inspirational, but most of them are just silly, funny memes that I love and crack and crack me up. 
And so there are friends that just receive my memes with love <laughs> and I appreciate them. Um, and so, you know, there are even friends that I catch up with just a couple of times a year and some that I, I joke around that we just send podcasts to each other back and forth. And um, even those that I catch up with a few times a year, I leave the conversation refilled and that's good. That's support too. Um and I've also learned to give grace when people don't have the capacity or the awareness to meet my needs in a season. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Thanks for asking. All right. Question number three is a simple, um, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm you know, work's nuts. <laughs> I'm still in a season of transition, but I feel like I'm coming up for air. And that's good. Um, this year has been a roller coaster of roller coasters, a roller coaster of miracles, but a lot, but also a roller coaster of changes. And I haven't even had the time to think about my goals, which I usually do around my birthday. So this year I'm going to be doing it on a calendar year cycle and I get a break in a few days and I'm going on my annual retreats of sorts and so I'll be kind of reflecting and thinking and maybe goal setting or we'll see how we choose to take on 2024 because maybe I don't need goals in 2024 I don't know but yes thanks for asking all right um number four what are you looking forward to in 2024 um I'm looking forward to putting down roots in Japan and actively building community. That is a priority for me in 2024. Um, I haven't had a lot of capacity this four months to do so. Um, and more than ever before, I know I don't want to do life alone. Um, I'm thankful for my community outside Japan, but it's time to grow the community inside Japan. And um, I'm confident that all I need to do is step out and um, my people are waiting for me. And I've met a couple of people, but I just haven't had the time to nurture, uh, you know, relationships. Um, I'm also looking forward to um, exploring Asia. Well, Warren Hills is getting on the road. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to maybe picking up a new skill here and there since I'm already outside my comfort zone. Let's get into transformation zone. Um, why not? Um, I'm looking forward to doing better at my Japanese, okay? And um, I'm looking forward to love and deep focus in 2024, by God's grace. Yeah. All right, next category, let's talk money, because it is the rich immigrant after all. All right. So number one, what is my biggest financial lesson of 2023 and how do I plan to apply it in 2024? Um, you know, I'll go back to the same point about what I'm proud of in 2023. I would say that again is my biggest financial lesson of 2023, that we can create shame-free, enabling educating, supportive environment where people can talk about money and learn freely. And this stuff is transformative and is bigger than any personal finance milestone that I can reach on my own. 
And I'm motivated, absolutely motivated to continue to create in these spaces or create spaces like this or show up in spaces like this. Um, number two, this person here says, I'm terrible at tracking my spending in different categories. What works for you? Okay, so to be honest, you don't need to be great at tracking your spending in every category if you come in within budget overall. Now, budgeting works differently for everybody. And some people, like myself, we love a good spreadsheet and we track everything monthly. And it takes a while and some others hate spreadsheets and when I first started budgeting, I would check my spending every week um, as I was building that muscle. Now I kind of know in my mind, I can get a sense check when I'm going a little crazy halfway through the month. But when I first started, I tracked things and actually checked my progress once a week. And so I would say if you're struggling with that, then building stops throughout the month to track where you are right? Um, some others, you know, save and invest a certain amount and then whatever is left, they leave on it for the rest of the month. And so in doing that, they don't have to check every category. So let's say I get $2,000 a month and I decide to save and invest a thousand and the remaining 1000 is all I have to live on. And regardless of what I spend it on, once it's done, it's done. And you're disciplined not to pull out of another bucket. Then you may not need to go crazy tracking every category. Now, um, for me personally, my finances are now split into two. You know, we've got the Japan and then we've got the U.S. My U.S., I'm still on my spreadsheet, still tracking monthly um, but for Japan, for the first time since I started budgeting, I am not using a spreadsheet. I, you know, I have a set amount that I expect myself to spend every month and I've been coming under that amount every single month. And so I have not tracked how much I spend on groceries in a single month. Um, and so this is the first time for me. But again, if I were going over, I would probably correct it. And I'll probably do a simpler spreadsheet in the new year. But so far, I haven't been, but I've been under budget, for example. Um, so all of this to say is if you're staying within your total budget, maybe you don't need a detailed um, category level budget like some of us like to have. However, if it is becoming a problem and you're consistently going over a budget, then you need to either check your budget to see if it's realistic to start with and adjust, or you need to change up what you're doing. Like, what do you currently do today to track your category spending? Um, without knowing what you currently do, it's tough to make a suggestion, um, but I'll share the most extreme method, right? Go cash only, in the areas where you seem to continuously go over. What does that mean? So let's say you end up shopping a crazy amount every month, but you actually have a budget of 200 a month. Well, at the beginning of it month, each month, go ahead and withdraw $200 and you can only shop out of those $200 in cash. 
Now, if you're saying, well, what if I need to shop online? Well, to shop online, you have to go back and deposit the amount that you're shopping online for in order to um, go through with the transaction. And so that's the most extreme way. If that's what you need, maybe try that out for a few months and maybe that, that will help. All right. The third financial or money related question is, it was just a general, it was a topic. And it the comment here says financial impact of friendships. And the unfortunate thing is that this doesn't give me a lot of information because I wish you were a bit more specific because we can go so many places with this topic. Um, and what I think I'll do is maybe I'll do a poll on this topic um, in my stories just to see where people want me to dig in. And I will do an episode next season starting late January on money and friendships. However, in the meantime, I have said quite a bit on money and friendships in two different episodes of the podcast. Um, The most recent one is this season, season eight, episode 84, where I interviewed my friend Kemi and one of my best friends, and we talked about money and friendship and investing with friends. And we talked about one time we invested and it did not work out. So how did it affect our friendship? All of that stuff. And so check out episode 84 of the podcast, and it is within season eight. And then earlier in the podcast, a few years ago, season two, episode five, There's a podcast episode called, Are Your BFFs Your Money Tribe? And in that episode, I talk about how life, time, and chance happens within friendships. I talk about navigating having different financial values from your friends. I talk about the financial wealth gap that can happen as we advance in our lives and in age. I talk about what that wealth gap is and how to handle it. I also talk about lending money to friends and how I would think about it. And then I share three things to guide money conversations with friends. So I think between these two episodes, I've covered quite a bit, but yes, I'd love to hear from you on what you'd like me to kind of zoom in on. And yeah, perhaps we can do an episode. Let me know. Okay, Um, this next money question is quite juicy, actually. Um, Ex-husband owes me $5,000. Should I let it go or should I go to small small claims court? Um, You know, the background is that, you know, small claims courts are less formal than traditional courts. They don't require you to hire a lawyer to represent you. And as a result, small claims courts are accessible um, to businesses or everyday people like you and I that are trying to resolve smaller items, typically under $25,000. All right. So I'll say that from what I know, right, even though small claims court is less formal, it is still it still takes up your time, your energy, and some money, potentially. And so my question to you is, is it worth all of that for you? 
And so you might want to pursue based on principle, and I get that. Or the amount might be significant to you, and I get that. Um, but only you can truly answer whether or not you should go for it or let it go. Now, I have not been married and I do not have an ex-husband. Um, but if you ask me today, I will probably, I could probably let it go because by God's grace, I will make that money back a thousandfold. Um, and I also value my peace. Now, a few years ago, when I was just starting out, it may be harder for me to let that amount go because it it is it would have been of a lot more significance to me and could impact my life. So again, only you knows if you can truly let it go, um, or if you can um, um, if you need to kind of go for it. But again, think about your why and is it worth it to you? All right. Question five is: What do you think about Christmas gifts? to loved ones when trying to save and pay off debt. How do we balance this? Um, so I hope this answer is not coming too late because it's two days to Christmas. Um, but in my opinion, you know, there's wisdom in recognizing your seasons. Um, you've just said, you know, the person is trying to save, pay off debt, get finances in order, lay a good foundation. To me, that's not a good time to go crazy on Christmas gifts. Like if you need to skip for a year so you can be hyper-focused, skip for a year um, and communicate that and then follow through by honoring that communication or that, you know, what you communicated. And if you're in a stage where you can afford, you know, you know, um, reasonably priced, good value gifts, then go ahead and do that. But set a budget and don't go over it. Um, and then stick to that budget, right? So again, it's, yeah, I, I don't, I, well, the other thing is probably I'm not big on gifts. So my, my opinion is probably biased. Like I appreciate thoughtful gifts, but I don't care for a big gift. I never have. And so that probably informs my response. Um, and maybe for you, gift giving is huge. And if that's the case, well, what ways can you, um, give gifts that don't sabotage your own, you know, goals, right? Can you make something? Can you barter for some gifts? Or I think there are ways that we can be creative in gifting to people. Or can you gift your time or, you know, something of the sort, right? So that you don't feel like you're not operating in something that you love to do because, oh, you have this goal to save and invest, Right. But I think if you're in a season where it's you're really trying to get things on track, I would skip for a year and communicate that if you've been saving and investing for a few years, then maybe you can start to, you know, loosen the strings a little bit within limits, allowing for a specific budget. That's what I think. All the best. All right. The last money question is this. Is it still worth it to buy a house in this economy. Hey, ski. <laughs> um, let me just caveat since I didn't say at the beginning, this is not financial advice. It's my own opinions for educational purposes and entertainment only. Thank you. All right. My personal opinion <laughs> is that for many, for more people than not, 
from an affordability standpoint, it is simply not the best time to buy a home. Like if we do the math financially, the numbers, they don't balance, right? Why and why is that? Um, Home prices are high, interest rates are high, but on the flip side, incomes have not risen to match that. And so unless you're willing to get a smaller house for the same budget, or you're willing to up your budget significantly, or if you do have the resources, um, unless you're in those three buckets, it may not be the best time for you to buy a home. Now, on the flip side, there will always be demand for houses because there will be families that are expanding or families that are downsizing or families that are expecting to grow or people that are just ready to finally move into their dream house, right? And so, you know, there will always be a demand for homes. Now, looking at the, you know, the Fed in the U.S. specifically, the Fed expects to drop interest rates next year. And what typically happens when interest rates go down is that mortgage rates will go down and then demand for mortgages will go up because everybody will be like, oh, interest rates are lower. Let's buy a house. Um, And, you know, that increases the demand for homes. So prices of homes then will not typically do not go down when demand is high. And so you see, my people, that the answer to that question depends on your situation. Where do you fall in the scenarios that I called out? For example, if I make a million dollars a year, it doesn't matter. I then put mortgage rates at 10%. I'll still buy my house. I'm unbothered, right? But if it is, if, if the calculation of my monthly payment changes based on the interest rates and the home prices and my monthly cash flow is affected, then I may hold off for a while. So hope this helps. Maybe I'll do the career questions and I'll do the personal questions about my personal life. (laughs) I'll do those last. Okay. So from a career standpoint, um, I got a really great number of career questions and some of them deserve their own episodes. So I'll do that. Um, But the first question here is, how do you make time for learning and development? What does that look like for you? And I think that's a great question. And I'll be honest in saying that I, you know, I I think it has only gotten more challenging for me with demands on my time. And I don't always get it right. And um, I'll answer this from a work and life perspective, because that's how I think about my learning and development, not just for my career, but for the my full life. Um, so I start with the non-negotiables, right? So professionally, I have to maintain a certain level of training to keep my professional license. And so there's no choice in the matter. I have to do that. So I get it done. Sometimes I can spend an hour or two at work. Other times it's on the evening or weekends. I do what I got to do. No excuses, period. Um, And then beyond that, you know, I I think about, I I start the year thinking about learning goals, right? Where do I think I need to learn? So I I I would ask you to do the same 
you know, start the year with learning goals, realistic ones, not ambitious ones. Where do you want to grow? What topics do you want to build knowledge in? Can you pick four areas of your life and focus on one area each quarter? I did that for a few years and I really liked that. I did the career. I did the, um, 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 from a faith standpoint, I did social and I also did another category that I can't remember. Oh, also for like my blogging and all that stuff. So I actually set learning goals and broke it down by quarter. Um, that way, I like the quarterly breakdown approach because that way you can take a focused approach and you're probably more likely to succeed because you're not doing everything at the same time. And so for me this year, the areas in my mind beyond my professional um, meeting, learning from a professional licensing standpoint were leadership, artificial improvement, relationships, and newly added Japanese. <laughs> um, and so those are the areas that I thought about, okay, what am I going to do? And some of those evolved, right, as the year went on. Um, an idea of something that I do think about is attending conference or events in areas where you want to grow. And so a couple of years ago, you know, I, I attended a, a leadership event for women in Dubai and I paid for that out of pocket, right? I did that to build my network, but to also pour, in my, pour into myself as a professional woman and executive in the workspace of African descent. And I also wanted to kind of build my network in that area of my life. So it was a personal investment in myself. Um, for example, this year, I went to the National Association of Black Accountants Conference in person. Um, and for me, it was a couple of things. I knew I was moving to Japan. Um, and so I wanted to just soak in hanging out with Black professionals doing excellent things. It was the year of my promotion as well. So I got to celebrate with a lot of other Black professionals that have um, reached this same milestone and to build my network in that specific regard, because it was something that I didn't have. Um, and I just wanted to also have an opportunity to, to pour back out into, you know, um, the black professional community in that way. And so when you go to these conferences or events or sessions, don't waste your own time, right? So what I do is in advance, I look at the agenda, I identify specific sessions that are an absolute must for me, and I commit to those. Um, for me at the NABA conference this year, for example, those were around leadership, soft skills sessions. Um, and then aside from the NABA conference, just in... Um, November at work, there was a training that was ongoing. It was held in the U.S. that wasn't going to be an equivalent in Japan. And I really want to hear, learn live and not do a webcast later. So I, I stayed up overnight from 12 p.m. to 8 a.m. Um, to attend a training. And sometimes I just do what I need to do if I really want to get that desired goal. And that was due to the time difference, of course. Um, and the big thing is when you're thinking about learning and development is put it on the calendar. I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to Dubai tomorrow. The, the, the announcement went out six months in advance. I started planning for it, right? And as you get into kind of building your, your learning portfolio for each year, I would say start small and pace yourself. You're not going to go from zero to like 100, right? Make sure you're 
not just attending these things, but you're making the time to actually take action <laughs> um, and, and actually apply what it is that you're learning, right? Make it a habit. So for example, learning Japanese has been a challenge. I haven't done a good job of making it a habit. And so next year, one of my goals is to do 15 minutes of Japanese five days a week, right? Aside from my weekly lessons that I did put on my calendar, so I did well there. Um, but the daily practice for 15 minutes is something that I want to make a habit next year. Another thing on learning and development, another key aspect is accountability and collaboration right? So for my Japanese lessons, for example, I put the time on my calendar every Thursday, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. My team knows this um, and it's a struggle some days because I'm working late, but even when I make it to class some days, it's stressful, but I'm showing up and I'm not afraid to be seen starting and trying and hopefully next year, I, I get better because I'm building the additional practice of discipline. Um, you know, another thing is that I, I mentioned to a friend from an accountability standpoint and collaboration standpoint, um, I mentioned to a friend that I wanted to, you know, take a training on AI, right? And once I made that commitment and said it to someone else, it was harder for me to back out. And so when I was attending the training one day, it was like 11 p.m. to 12.30 a.m. Again, time zone in Japan. I was like, hey, texting her like, what have I done? <laughs> but I did it. Um, and then still on this, another example is I mentioned to a friend of mine that I was interested in attending sessions around this specific money topic, money and relationships. And I actually shared specific subtopics that I wanted to dig into. And so this person knew of a session that was going to talk on the very topic I was interested in. And this just happened a few weeks ago. And so thankfully, there was a virtual option she shared the link and I joined again. It was overnight from like <laughs> midnight to like 2.30 a.m. Um, and it was absolutely worth my time. And it was exactly what I needed. And it's given me so much to kind of think about as I get into the new year on that on that specific area. And beyond that, I've already shared my notes with like three people. So that learning was not just for me. It has already gone to different places. And I hope that, hey, those seeds land wherever they're supposed to land. Um, and then the last thing I'll say on learning and development is just reading books, listening to podcasts, audiobooks have come to the rescue for me so many times because, hey, life is life in and sometimes you just don't have capacity for much. So what do you have capacity for from an L&D standpoint and what can you put in place throughout the year to help you get there, right? And maybe some times of the year are super busy and you just say, okay, I'll listen to an audiobook this quarter and maybe that's enough. So I would say now start coming up with a plan for the next year and then execute, okay? All right. Well, that was a lot. <laughs> um... The next question here is, this person is in a similar line of work as I am. Um, so how do I cope with burnout? And how do I do so many things outside of work, especially as there's more work as you rise in your career? Hey, 
I don't know the answer to this question as grace for each day is how I think about it. And that's true, right? Um, you know, in all honesty, especially outside of work this year, I feel as though I dropped the most balls. And and that's because capacity is limited. And I keep saying this, but we need to recognize our seasons for what they are. Um, I'll give you some examples, right? I did 12 less episodes on this podcast that I planned this year. And so I did not hit 100 episodes. You know, I had to step back from being on a nonprofit board when I moved. I've done, I have some catching up to do in my mentoring circle, I I slowed down on the gram and didn't write a single blog post this year. I've missed many DM responses. If if you're one of them, I apologize. Um, And I share this for two reasons. One, to let you know that I try, but I don't always do all of the things. And two, to share that, you know, sometimes I choose to do less in certain seasons because that is what I have capacity for. Um, And then on the flip side, Yes, the demands at work expand as you rise up or the responsibilities do. And and for me, it's not about the hours. It's about the nature of the problems you're solving at work. They're just different. They take a greater combination of your brain power and emotional intelligence at the same time. And um, here are some things that I've put in place in my life to prevent burnout, even though it still happens, right? Number one, when I'm, especially when I'm dealing with a problem, I recognize when a good night's sleep is a better solution than trying to problem solve when I'm exhausted, right? I'm not a night owl, I'm an early bird. And so it's happened in the last three weeks where I'm texting a friend like, man, I'm trying to resolve this thing at work. I'm, I'm, and I just say, okay, I'm so stressed out, I'm going to go to bed. And as I go to bed, I give it to God. I literally say, I'm going to bed, I'm giving this to you, and I trust you for an answer. <laughs> and I always, somehow, it always gets resolved the next day. Um, I ask for help, and I, you know, I pray about the seemingly tiniest things. That's just a big part of my life, and I, I know that God is in the details of my life. And so nothing is too small, nothing is too big. Um, even like, where did I drop my keys? I literally pray about these things. Um, I prioritize making time for things outside work. And I know people say, oh my God, how do you do these things? It is an act of self-preservation for me to do these things because I need to show up. Um, It's important for me to show up in the places that I feel like I've been called to show up. And by doing so outside of work, I'm refilling my cup so that I can then show up at work. So for me, it's not an either or. It's how can we make this happen so that both aspects of my life can thrive, right? Um, I prioritize making times for things that inspire me and ground me and pour into my spirit. Um, and another thing is just better boundaries, right? So for example, unpopular, but from 2017 to August, 2023, I did not have work email on my phone. It's a rarity, but I did it. And I did it because I recognized at that time that getting alerts on my phone was an anxiety trigger for me getting you know you know the, the 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 notifications of emails and all that stuff was a trigger and i was like i'm online so much anyway if something happens and i need to be 
I'll likely be online for it. And if it's an emergency, I've always told my teams, you have my permission, text me, and then I will log on to my computer. Um, Now I have it back on my phone, but I have better boundaries. I think the five years of not having it just helped me kind of better form my relationship with my work email and on my phone. And so I no longer have the anxiety that I used to have. Um, The other thing is just getting emotional support, whether it's a whether it's a career coach, whether it's therapy, whether it's a partner, whether it's friends or family, I think that everybody needs them. And especially if the nature of your job can be stressful, can be demanding, it is important that we have the emotional support we need. Because when you have that backing, I think you can take on whatever life throws at you. But like I said, you know, I don't have it perfect. I still get burnt out, but I pray for grace for every single day and hasn't failed me yet. All right. The last career question here is, at what point did you feel like you were adding major value to your team? I joined a new team. I'm getting good feedback, but I'm not feeling like the star girl. Um, And that makes me anxious. I'm eight months into a new country. Well, star girl, there is no specific timeline, so I would not put pressure on myself if I were you. Now, I've worked on different teams and I've had times where I was the star girl right away. And there were times where I was never the star girl, but I was I did okay. And there are other times where I became the star girl over time. And so I'll say this to you, um, if you're getting good feedback why are you anxious? You know, is it that you have a be the best or nothing else mindset? Or is there some satisfaction you get out of being a bad mama jamma that you love and that you crave and that you're looking for? Now, I think for being eight months in a new country and in a different work environment and culture, you sound like you are killing it if you're getting good feedback. You know, now that being said, if you want to be better, I ain't mad at that. I can't be mad at that. And so my question to you is, what does success look like where you are to the people, to the key stakeholders where you are? What does star girl or star guy behavior look like based on what you've observed in your eight months so far? If you haven't observed anything, then I think you need to pay attention because there's always a star and there's something to observe. But if for some reason you haven't observed anything, um, have you identified someone, an ally that you can ask straight up, you know, you know, what, what do I need to do to get to X level? And so you can have actionable steps. Um the other thing I'll say is, how are you at the non-technical aspects of your job? What are your, how are your people skills? How are your soft skills? How are you doing with understanding the culture and navigating the space in your new country or company or whatever the case may be? Um, I would also just check in on that or have someone that you can ask to give you feedback honestly so that you know exactly um, where to focus on in moving forward. And Star Girl, I am rooting for you. Um, there's one last question that I got and 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 it's about the immigrant journey and 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 someone listening is feeling like, you know, 
And many times when you're in that process where you feel like there's so many things you can do and there's so many moves you can make because you don't have your green card, your PR, and y'all know my story. (laughs) I've been there. I've done that. And I did a whole episode on just my immigrant journey, the, the joys, the pains, the tears, and all of that. And I released that just over a year ago. Um, so I will put a link to that episode um, because I, I think I've answered this question there. Just how do you handle that waiting period? Um, I, I So I, maybe check out that episode. And if you've got follow-up questions, I'm more than happy to, to dig in further. Um, but... Yes, those are all the questions. I didn't want to hit an hour here. We're almost we're at 45 minutes. Um, but topics that will be their own separate episodes next year would be navigating toxic colleagues at work, um, politics, navigating the politics in the corporate environment, rebuilding your credit score after making initial mistakes. These are all great questions. Oh crap, I haven't answered the <laughs> I haven't answered the romantic questions. Oops. So let me go back to that before I wrap up this episode real quick. Oops, sorry. (laughs) Um, The first question about my love life, which I find I didn't realize it was a a source of fascination, I guess. Am I single or taken? Um, I am single. How old am I? I found 38 in September. Um, Why doesn't my crush like me back? I don't know who you are and I don't know who your crush is, so I'm not sure. However, my question for you is this. Does your crush know that they are your crush? Because if they don't know, how can they even know if they like you back? (laughs) Um, The next question is, you're super cute. Oh, thank you. Um, The next question is, not our business, but are you looking to date? And there were like three variations of this question. The answer is yes. And my friends would be like, oh, you said this before, but yes. And I'm serious this time. (laughs) 2024, let's go. Okay. Um, The next question is not our business, but tell us about your love life, past, present, and future. Ah, kiki (laughs) ski. Okay. So, um... Yeah, um, I, my love life is not a secret, but it also just isn't something I like choose to share on the internet because I already share it lots. Um, but well, Facebook days, I used to make albums, so maybe I did share back in the days. But I will tell you that I have been in love either 1.5 times or two times, depending on how you're looking at it. <laughs> um, and it was good. And I'm, you know, 200% pro men, pro marriage, all of that. I'm currently single, have been for a few years, and um, I'd rather be single than settle in a marriage or partnership with the wrong person. Um, But I look forward to doing life with my person when I meet them. So, hey, take your time and hurry up, okay? (laughs) Okay, now I can really wrap up the episode because I almost forgot to do that. Um, So, 
thank you for the nice comments and to the one person that said let's hang out soon i think you're the one person that is in japan so we're gonna do it in the new year god willing and um thank you so much for listening i will catch you in a month because your girl needs a break and we'll be back with season nine of the rich immigrant podcast merry christmas happy new year happy kwanzaa um happy anything that you're celebrating and maybe specifically you know the year started with a i lost my boss january 29th and that was such a um you know felt like things went upside down and so i know that even as we as we take stock of the year um i know there are people that suffered even deeper losses whether it's not even a lot even if not a loss of a person in their life it may have been the loss of a dream or a dream that was not realized something they hoped for this year that did not come to fruition and you know i just want to hold space for you know your wins and what and and your struggles and your losses for this year and um you know, I'm glad that you made it through whatever life threw at you, even if you felt like you weren't standing, whether you crawled through it, whether you prayed through it, whether you limped through it. Um, I'm, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're listening. And I'm always rooting for you for the best outcome at, at, at the right time. Um, so, yeah, take care. Happy New Year. Hey there, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Rich Immigrant Podcast. Before you go, I'd like you to know that there will always be room for you at this table. And as I wrap this up, I'd like to ask for your help with a few things to help support and amplify the message of the podcast. First, please subscribe. Click the subscribe button and that way you're notified of new episodes. Second, if you enjoyed this episode, please write and review the podcast. That way you're signaling to Apple that the content here is, you know what, popping! And you amplify our message to other potential listeners. And last but not least, please follow us at Instagram at The Rich Immigrant. And as we go out into the world, I hope that you're encouraged to show up and live fully in whatever country you've chosen to call home. Ciao, bye, or devil. See you next time.